say is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've gotta be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Always ask more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I gotta be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day, wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rowan County, Tennessee. And uh, so very happy to be with you once again. It is the week of Thanksgiving. Yes, the holiday that the mainstream media and the general politicians of the world would prefer that you just skip right on past. I mean, we have seen the phenomenon for a while. Yeah, I know. If you're a regular listener to the show, if you've been listening for a few years, you've heard me make this lament more than once by now. But we have seen over the last few, well, I guess it's more than a single decade now. So the last few decades, the rush to just go right from Halloween straight into Christmas. Now, if you happen to work for a major retailer, especially if you're in the C-suite, it's understandable that you want people to transition into what equates to your opportunity, especially if you happen to be lagging in sales for the year, to move forward, to get the boom, to move into the black. Hence, Black Friday. It's understandable, to a degree. And from the commercial side of it, if you're in business, obviously, you need to be profitable if you're going to continue. Now, I know that's probably coming to a shock 
coming as a shock to you if you happen to be under the age of 23 and have only gone to public schools or state-run universities. Because by 23, hopefully, you've gotten to university. If, if that's your education background, if that's where you're at level-wise, then yes, that might come as a bit of a surprise to you that a business must, in fact, be profitable or the business tends to go away. Poof. Bye-bye. It can't just break even. I mean, it can hang around for a little while. As long as the potential to become profitable, they can cling desperately, uh, just breaking even. They can operate at a loss. Most businesses typically do the first three to five years of their existence. The key is convincing enough creditors or investors to hang on to that dream, that vision, and being able to show them that things are getting better or moving towards profitability. Or else, again, like a tumbleweed, just goes drifting away have to make a profit or else the business doesn't continue. Every time, young people, every time you've heard of a business going bankrupt, it is almost always because some factor prevented them from becoming profitable or continuing profitability. Uh, the factors may be many, may be varied. So, yes, it is completely, totally understandable that if you work for Walmart or Target or some smaller local outfit, that you really do like the idea of as soon as you can move past the major retail sales that comes typically from Halloween, that you can transition directly into Christmas sales. That is where most companies become profitable over the year. And this being a terrible, horrible, no good year for anything involving our economy, even more understandable than usual. But there are other reasons why they would like, now we're looking back at the political left, there's reasons why the political left in the United States would prefer you sling right past, a slingshot right past Thanksgiving. Now, granted, the grocery stores, they want you to thoroughly celebrate Thanksgiving. Oh, yes, they do. And the political, blah, 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 blah. The political left do want the day off if they can have it. It's a good excuse to take a holiday pay day and, you know, whatever pursuits they may have. But they don't really want you putting much thought into it because here's the thing. It is very difficult to move past the faith that coincides with Thanksgiving. It is a day, and despite what some college professors may try to tell you about a day celebrating the white man coming and annihilating Native Americans in the United States in the early days of the colonies. No, that's not what it's about. It is about giving thanks to God. Period. That's simple. We have tended to try and elevate it to also 
having peaceful relations between two groups of ethnic diversity. We've tried to elevate it to friendship and and other things when, you, when you're trying to tell the positives of the story. But at the end of the day, the story of Thanksgiving is really nothing more than recognizing that God has bestowed blessings upon the people. And you need to recognize those blessings. And you need to be grateful for those blessings. And yes, I didn't begin this little rant with the idea of turning it into a sermon. So I'm going to try to pump the brakes a little bit right here. Because I could get down that uh, that little primrose path pretty quickly. We don't show enough appreciation for the good things we have. We Human nature has us dwelling on the things that aren't going right. And if you live and breathe politics, if you swim in the waters of the American political scene, it's real easy to stay just focused on all the negative. In fact, it's pretty hard to find very much positive. You can find some stuff here and there, but it's really hard. But the point of the matter is the left hates people of faith that are genuine and earnest in that faith because, as you've heard me say several times by now, person of faith is never going to put the state, they're never going to put the government ahead of God. They're never going to put the government ahead of their families, and they're never going to put the state at the top. They're never going to put all of their faith in the state to provide or take care of them. It's just not going to happen. And if you're part of the political left— Especially if you're a player in that scene, if you're a mover and shaker, if you're a, a person that's going to be part of the bourgeois class when that glorious revolution finally occurs, once and for all, the downthrow of the American Republic. If you're one of those folks, you need everyone here to embrace the government, to, for everyone here to put their full trust and establish a dependency on the state to take care of them. People of faith, never going to happen. So people of faith are a major impediment. So yes, we have moved right on along. We're, we're in Thanksgiving weekend. Once again, allow me to take this opportunity to say that not only am I grateful for all the many blessings right here at home, thank you, God, for me being able to have a home and to be gainfully employed in a fashion that allows me to maintain it and to be blessed with the family members that I have, the ones that I see every day and the ones that I almost never see and almost never get to speak to, but love deeply just the same. And thank you for those blessings. But I also want to thank the Lord for all the blessings of you, the listeners. No matter where you're listening from, no matter what faith religion you have, if you are following a completely and totally different God, it doesn't matter. Thank the Lord in my mind for you being there listening. Thank you so very much. But beyond that, 
take some time to celebrate. If you're outside of the country, if you're celebrating uh, not <laughs> not Thanksgiving, but you have some other holidays upcoming, then take the time to remember what the meaning is. But I am probably a bit more upset than usual because it felt like this year, you know, all the previous years, it was pretty much uh, we get to have the summer holidays and then we have Halloween and then boom, right into Christmas. This year it felt like as soon as Labor Day was over, we were right into Christmas. I have one rule. I will not start playing Christmas music in the bumper rotation until after Thanksgiving. Meaning that later this week, later this week, I will probably have Christmas music in the rotation. Because I don't dislike Christmas. I just want to make sure that Christmas is in its proper perspective and that we don't sell short a great American holiday that Thanksgiving is. It's based on family. It's based on the understanding that when bountiful blessings are bestowed, recognizing them for what they are is vitally important in feeling good about your life and in being a beacon to help others not just to feel better about their lives, but to make their lives better as well. And if that's not the primary message that we should have during the holiday season, this stage remainder of this year, then man, oh man, are we missing something important. All right, a lot of stuff to get to, and I have already rambled for nearly half of the first hour. Well, a quarter of the first hour. A few things while we're on the talk of the uh, holiday. We'll just kind of browse at a few headlines before we dig into today's main topics. Federal Reserve is among the organizations attached to the Biden administration that kind of thinks maybe we should just skip the turkey altogether. Uh, Evidently, uh, turkey prices are going to be a bit higher than usual. Very uh, strange situation. You can probably get a bigger bird this year for less than the smaller birds. The thing is, most small birds have become more popular. The smaller turkeys... They're easier to cook traditionally, and a lot of folks have gotten where they're not making these huge traditional meals, especially in the age of COVID. You may still have a hard time getting some folks to put the mask down and come on over and visit. So there's a lot of expectations uh, that you may not have a very big crowd this year anyway. But what's kind of interesting is the fact that if you look at it, over the course of the last six years, there has been a statistically significant change in how many people generally attend a single Thanksgiving meal uh, together. You know, the, the numbers have gone to the point that smaller birds typically make the most sense. You certainly have less waste that way. So this year may be the first year where getting a smaller bird is a more expensive proposition than getting a larger one because they're just going to have a harder time moving the bigger birds. But, you know, we've been told by some folks in this administration that uh, not only should we ditch the turkey altogether, but uh, they have some suggestions of things we could do, like substituting uh, a soy-based product that's... uh, emulates turkey or maybe 
having like a Turkish meal. That was a legit straight up suggestion I overheard somebody. Let's do something different. Let's mix it up. And then they almost all finished with, and if you let people know that turkey's not on the menu, well, then maybe fewer people might show up. But that'll just help make things uh, more economical for everyone anyway. Translation, once again, we're being told by the Biden administration to, uh, you know, uh, be ready to settle for less. You don't deserve. The better things. You silly American, you. You become so accustomed to only the finer things will do. You know, finer things like being able to go to your local grocery store and get a can of Chef Boyardee for under two bucks. The finer things like being able to purchase a two liter of your favorite soda for around a buck. Yeah. You're not going to be able to do those things anymore. And isn't it wonderful? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it surprising how none of this really seems to affect the people that are telling us that we should just get used to settling for less? When we were already the ones that were working our backsides off and settling for what we could afford in order to make it through the next day. We were already the ones that were having to deal with, do I put this $5 uh, in my gas tank or do I put this $5 towards trying to buy some milk for the family? We were the ones that were struggling with this. We were the ones having to deal with this before Biden took over. Now, the struggle was a lot less before the return of the leftist politician into the White House. Things weren't great under Obama, but they weren't this bad. It hasn't really been this bad since Carter. Things were actually getting much, much better under Trump, mostly because we were energy independent, and with cheap, abundant energy comes more wealth, more economic power, and more upward mobility. In fact, the funniest thing about how the left and Democrats in particular in this country kept talking about how the middle class was disappearing is that they were leaving out the statistical part that under the Trump administration, the reason the middle class was still shrinking was because more people from the middle class were moving up. Things were getting better. When you have the folks that refuse to work, that percentage of folks that are down here, either A, the folks who can't, I'll go ahead and include them too, but when you have the folks who can't work and then the folks that refuse to work, their upward mobility isn't going to change. So they're not likely to move up into the middle class to replace the middle class folks that were moving up to uh, upper middle class and then upper class. It's just hard to make those movements, very hard to make those movements when you don't have the ability to save some money, when you don't have the ability to let your dollars go further, and when you don't have cheap, abundant energy, when your country isn't energy independent like we were right before Biden was installed into the White House. When you don't have those things, all of a sudden the folks that were moving up well, now they're moving back down. The folks that were on the cusp of moving up, 
are in a downward spiral. And then the folks that weren't moving at all are either still amongst the actual poor in the country or the actual rich in the country because these things don't affect those groups very much. I I just be ready, guys. Every time you turn around, the Biden administration is telling us for one thing or another, be prepared to settle for less. Had a headline come out that former New York Times reporter says that the story about the effects of the Kenosha riots was held until after the election. They are now finally admitting that the legacy media was, in fact, very much trying to influence the election. And they were trying to influence the election in the direction they wanted instead of, you know, being journalists. Here's the thing. Again, you've probably heard me say this. Now, historically speaking, historically speaking, journalism in this country has always been a mixed bag. There's always been uh, yellow journalism. There's always been manipulation. There's always been the spin. There's always been an effort to present your arguments and your editorials and within certain areas of the journalism industry, some folks, that's all they did, and they tried to sell that to you as straight journalism. But when you looked at the legacy media, when you look at the New York Times, when you look at the Washington Post, these folks were among those groups, but they claimed to do what true journalists were always trying to do. To be a true journalist, you are trying to get to the truth, report the truth, and get the truth out to the masses. And you let the chips fall where they may. You put aside your personal political beliefs. You, even if you are a, a staunch Republican during the Watergate story, you report on everything going on with Nixon. Even if you were a staunch Democrat during the Jimmy Carter administration, you report on how bad the economy is. You report on how bad a foreign policy was working out for Jimmy Carter to the point that we were seen as being so very weak. And also, you reported on the fact that Jimmy Carter said, well, you know, with heating prices uh, climbing up so high, uh, just just turn down your thermostat and wear a sweater. The very same message we're getting from the Biden administration left and right. You as an American, you've had it too good for too long. It's time you settled for less. And you know what? Settling for less is fine if that's the situation that you have to be in. I mean, it really is. If that's the situation you have to be in. If you don't have to be there, then it's not okay. If you can be energy independent and everybody can be doing better, it's not okay not to be there. And you can point your fingers wherever you like, Joe. But at the end of the day... All them fingers need to be coming right back to you because how much of you are actually mentally all there or not 
still your signature that gets put down at the bottom of every piece of paper that issues these orders. It's still your face that's being put out there as the front person. It's still you between those moments of complete and total spaciness. So you that's out there pushing this agenda, you're doing it on behalf of others. I get it. They're the ones pulling the strings, but you are still letting them pull your strings. You are supposed to be the president of the United States. You are supposed to be the commander in chief. You are, as far as I can tell, not much more than just the guy living at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Granted, to live there, you're supposed to be those other things. But man, Joe, come on, seriously. To go along on just that side note, one of the stories going on that we're going to try to get to today involves the opening up of part of the emergency reserve. Joe, that is so moronic. And we'll get there. We'll get there. Just, it's it's killing me. So the New York Times, this reporter comes out and says, yep, yep, that's what we were doing. Had a case where dozens of looters stormed a California Nordstrom store. Employees were pepper sprayed and physically assaulted. Well, great job, California. Oodles and oodles of criminal behavior because if you don't steal a dollar amount higher than the minimum then you basically get to walk? I mean, you might as well just be declaring open season in every business in the state. The Armand Aubrey trial has gone to uh, the jury. So we'll see how things play out there. I Surprising that this hasn't been in the news at least close to the same as the Rittenhouse uh, trial has been. Uh, oh, by the way, I guess it's it has been a minute since uh, we've been together on air. So uh, last time uh, I was behind the microphone, we were still waiting for a verdict. Well, we finally got that verdict. Rittenhouse, not guilty. All counts. The system actually worked. I, You know, I was very concerned. I was very concerned for Kyle because I didn't think that this jury was going to uh, was going to follow the evidence. I thought they were going to, to bend to the pressure of all this outside influence. So once again, thank God, the resilience of the jury system proves itself to be effective. Thank you, jurors, for standing up and doing what you should have done, despite all the extra pressure and the concerns about possibly being doxxed, especially when a producer for MSNBC is following your bus. You can say what you want to, but the only reason to be doing that is to try and find out who these people are and where they live. And I'm sorry, I don't trust anybody working for NBC or MSNBC at this point. The organization themselves, the higher-ups, the C-suite folks, they may not have had any intention of allowing that information to go public. They just wanted it so they could contact them later for whatever nefarious purposes they had. But at the end of the day, there are too many people that go in and out of those offices. If they ever had that information on file, these folks would have been doxxed, period. And who knows, still yet may be. 
So good job, guys. Way to stand up and do the right thing. Oh, by the way, every news outlet, every legacy news outlet, can we get a few things straight? Still hearing this. I saw a story again today. Time of the live broadcast is November 23rd. Okay? It is Tuesday in Thanksgiving week. It's Tuesday. It's been nearly a week at this point since since the verdict. And we still have legacy news outlets out there insisting that Jacob Blake died. I'm sure that's news to Jacob. He's very much alive. He was visited by the current vice president of the United States. We'll see for how much longer. I'll say current because that's the case as of this moment in time. Kamala, Kamala Harris went to visit this guy in the hospital. Um, paralyzed, yes, but alive. He's still breathing, everyone. Kyle Rittenhouse was not on trial for Jacob Blake. The connection is just that Kenosha riots broke out because people were trying to get everyone really worked up about the Jake Blake shooting. White police officer shoots a black criminal. I mean, a black person. Not allowed to point out the fact that he was in the middle of committing multiple crimes when he got shot, including wielding a knife. He had the knife on his person. He has admitted it at this point that he had the knife on his person when he was shot. Sorry, I, I don't want somebody who puts on the uniform, puts on the badge, and goes out to serve the community, goes headlong into dangerous situations to be stabbed to death because they refuse to use their firearm. And I'm sorry. The whole racial equity stuff is not a factor when you want to apply common sense. How about this, Jacob Blake? How about you not commit the crimes in question? We're talking about a ex-girlfriend, a baby mama who was being harassed and assaulted. And on this occasion... He showed up trying to forcibly take the children that he wasn't allowed to have. Wasn't allowed to have the children with him, but he was going to take them anyway. He was under a restraining order where he was supposed to be staying away because of the pending assault, a sexual assault against her. And, yeah, we, we're going to forget all that. We're going to forget the fact that Police officers showed up. They were going to try to serve the warrant. That he resisted arrest, that he was tased, and he fought through. The taser kept going. He refused to follow instructions and orders to stop, to cease, to desist. He went. He got his knife. He got shot multiple times. Jacob Blake is no one's hero, except, of course, for the left. Because the left wants you to believe that he was a hero. Why? Because in believing he's a hero, you can believe their narrative. Now, I've said several times, why do you keep picking criminals to be your heroes for these stories? You pick the worst situations. This uh, 
this case where the the guy was w- walking onto the construction site and then ends up dead at the end this this actually looks like there could be some racism that played into it so yeah yeah that's probably going to work out okay we don't have to pay attention to that story we need to convince the world that racism exists in the stories where there aren't any we need to convince the world that George Floyd is dead because of racism, even though there wasn't any, even though we didn't claim any in court. There's no evidence of it. And I'm sorry, just saying that I'm inherently racist because I'm white, that doesn't cut it, yo. That doesn't make sense. It, it's not accurate. You want to tell me what's in my heart when you don't even know me just because I'm white? You're literally doing everything that you've been saying for the last 30 years previous that you were saying was wrong. You're committing an act of racism. So now I've come to the conclusion that the reason they keep picking these people, George Floyd, Jacob Blake, is because they are criminals, because there is little to no evidence that would even suggest racism. They pick those because they want to see how much of the narrative you believe, and they want to see how many of their loyal acolytes will force you into compliance. They're testing the waters. They want to know how compliant we are, how little we're going to use critical thinking, how little we're going to understand inherently that until we have all the information, it may not be a good idea to jump to a conclusion. Doesn't stop a lot of folks from jumping to conclusions. But again, that common sense, it's officially listed as a superpower now. You know, we used to tell the joke that it's become so rare that It's almost a superpower. Well, we're past that now. It's become so rare, it is officially listed as a superpower. Newest comic book hero has the ability to move faster than bullets, has the ability to bend still, and also has the capability of utilizing common sense. The greatest superpower ever. It's it's mind-boggling. That's where we're at. So again, uh, kudos to the jurors in the Rittenhouse trial. We'll see how the Aubrey trial turns out, the the men that are on trial there. I think we're going to see an interesting situation arise from that point. Uh, We also had uh, one of the lead members of the squad kind of get caught up in her own stuff. Miss Rashida Tlaib. And her prison bill, a bill that says literally to release everyone, she got caught up when uh, Jonathan Swan kind of starts asking the questions. Rashida thought it was going to be a friendly interview, and for the most part, it kind of was a friendly interview. But when he started pushing on the, what do you really mean by release everyone? And then, so you don't mean release everyone. And she kind of went back and forth and landed flat on her face. It just shows how ill-prepared these people are to actually defend their positions. How little they've actually thought about what they claim to be the undeniable truths. It also shows you how ill-prepared to face the real world 
people tend to be when they have been walking down this path where they believe that their truth trumps the truth. When they honestly believe that their feelings matter in the face of reality compared to the fact that even suggesting that there isn't a objective truth for everyone is a tool of white supremacy. When you believe that kind of stuff, or in their case, I think if you just say it enough times that it starts seeping into your brain, whether you believed it to begin with or not, well, it puts you in a position where all of a sudden logic just, it doesn't click anymore. You're sitting there and you're talking and you're thinking, and as soon as logic tries to sink in, you go immediately into a, a does-not-compute error. It's literally like in the science fiction story from the 70s where you have this all-powerful computer or robot or whichever, and all of a sudden the only way to beat them is to introduce a logic problem where they simply cannot do what they're programmed to do without violating their programming, and it causes a breakdown. Well, most of these people are in flat-out breakdown. They can't help themselves. And Rashida Tlaib caught herself, and it was great. If you haven't seen this uh, little interview of hers, I highly recommend you check it out. Just... Man, oh man. All right, uh, let's go ahead since we're a little bit past the midway point of the hour, and uh, we will do the songs and stories for soldiers, veterans tip of the day, along with the Edwards notebook. Uh, let's let me get to the right place here on the switchboard, and uh, you guys stay right where you're at. I'll be with you on the flip side of this brief break. Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877-4-AID-VET. That's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the Internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your veterans tip of the day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. Is the salutary influence of the Bible a good thing or not? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, what would the world be without it? Compare the dark places of the earth where the light of the gospel has not yet penetrated or being rejected today with the places where, at the very least, the life-affirming principles of seeking a righteous standard of living, liberty, including liberty in Christ, along with the recognition of our unalienable rights, including the right and duty to train up a child in the way that they should go, which, by the way, dictates the direction a nation takes during the following generation. We, the people of the United States of America, can no longer afford to reject the God who shed his grace upon our great republic, nor should we continue to reject and allow leftists to cast concrete moral principles 
out of society. The Founding Fathers warned that if we are not a nation of high moral standards, our republic will not be great. Choose wisely, my fellow Americans, and do check out the Ron Edwards American Experience, 3 p.m. Eastern Time via theronedwards.com. I'm Ron Edwards. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. I am, of course, your ever-so-humble host, Jim Tapp, and I'm trying to be as peaceful as I can be, but sometimes they just won't let me. This is one of those situations. All things the Biden administration has done has been one of those situations. But uh, the news, of course, came along today that Biden, in fact, made good on his recent threats, although he still refers to them as promises, made good on his threats to tap the strategic oil reserve, uh, supposedly for 50 million barrels in an effort to address the high prices at the pump. as if he doesn't understand uh, basic economics. Uh, Although, trust me, the people pulling the strings, they do. This is still part of the green agenda. This is a part of making... Everything costs so much that it hurts to the point that you're forced to acquiesce to the green agenda or you're forced to start living life like a third world country. You don't think that's their agenda? Go look at any city that's been run strictly by Democrats for more than two decades. Just go visit. See the homelessness on the streets, see the defecation in public places, see everything that democratic leadership leads you to. Actually, defecation uh, in the street is pretty much it. Once strong and powerful cities, engines of industry, uh, now little more than falling down dilapidated buildings with busted out windows and boards up in place of those broken windows and People living with little hope. People living with no reason to be hopeful. Yes, that's that's the goal, the agenda. Anything that they can take to dissuade you of the idea and the notion that you can be successful. That you can go out and earn for yourself. The idea that you, in fact, should be able to keep at least the overwhelming majority of of the fruits of your labor, and that you should get to choose how you uh, delve that out. Do I want to put it in savings and wait for a rainy day in case something bad's going to happen? Because that's typically how life goes. It's good for a while, then it gets rough. It's good for a while, then it gets really, really rough. Do I decide to give it to a charity? Do I get to choose which charity? Do I get to decide who in my community I'm directly going to ha- Oh, you must be dissuaded of these notions because that's not within your power. At any rate, I'll digress back to the story at hand. Barely there, Beijing Biden this past Tuesday announced that he will tap the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve 
for 50 million barrels of oil in an effort to bring down prices at the pump. Quote, the move is aimed at global energy markets, but also at U.S. voters who are coping with higher inflation and rising prices ahead of Thanksgiving and winter holiday travel. Uh, that, of course, from the Associated Press. See, but the problem is this move will not have an immediate effect on prices anywhere. The government will not move barrels into the market until mid to late December. So don't expect to see this unless you're traveling for Christmas to have any impact at all. And not all the oil will hit the market. Biden said 32 million barrels will eventually be returned to the reserve, with the other 18 million authorized for sale by Congress, meaning that they're authorizing so much, but they're not really going to do anything but say, okay, well, it's here for the market, but now we're putting it back. So they're not even really releasing that much. They're, they're playing their fancy accounting games again to try to claim that they're going to 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 do some great thing, but at the end of the day, it's still way worse than what they said. Is this even enough to actually affect the markets? And if you're just going to take it out to return it to the reserve, what's the point of taking it out? Why are we opening up the reserve at all? Why? You know, pretending for a second that we don't already know the reason is that because it's part of the green agenda, why can't we just go back to doing what we were doing before? You don't even have to say his name. You don't even have to mention the orange man who's bad. The kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist. You don't even have to mention he who shall not be named unless they're trying to, to make it about an election. Don't have to mention his name. Why can't you just go back to doing what he was doing and let's get energy independent again so that the the reserve can be built up and the market price doesn't affect us because we go from importer to a net exporter. Why can't we do that? Now, of course, we know it's the green agenda. And that would actually work. That would keep you from becoming dependent on the government. And see, that's it. Everything that we've seen from the Biden administration, everything that we continue to see from the Biden administration and the plans of the political left has to do with the juxtaposition of individual liberty compared to complete and total dependency. The left wants as many people as they can to be completely dependent on them. Because then we have to jump through the hoops. That's why they targeted education. That's why they targeted health care. And that's why they target energy and our international relationships. They target those things because those are the things that make us weak when they do the things that they are doing. America needs to be strong. And Americans need to stand strong against this ridiculous excuse for an administration. No matter how you look at it, no matter how you break this down, 
This is nothing more than a press release publicity stunt. And when you delve into the, the details here, it's barely a drop in the bucket. Literally, me going to the, the beach and spitting one time into the ocean will have a greater effect than what we can expect this to have. Now, you're going to have economists. You're going to have uh, journalists. You're going to have uh, Democratic politicians come out and say, well, this will be a massive thing. And if it doesn't affect it, if it doesn't move prices down, then that's just another sign of what Biden was saying all along. This is greedy oil companies trying to price gouge which is an awful convenient scapegoat. I mean, that's where we're at, though, right? It's the companies again. It's business. Big business is the bad guy. Now, we need them to pay their fair share, but we really shouldn't let them be profitable at all. How exactly does that work? <gasps> again, uh, there's that logic problem. If you're a... Non-playable character, don't think about that one too long. You're going to start glitching. It's just another effort to control the habits of the people of this country by virtue of making you feel the pain in your wallet. To sit here and say that these actions aren't likely to have an immediate effect, that's hooey. Whoever's writing that is trying to, again, get you to lower your expectation. See, we're trying to help, guys, but there's only so much we can do. Now, as far as we're concerned, the Constitution isn't an obstacle anymore. Most of you all don't even know what's in it, so you don't even know how much we're violating it. And most of you, therefore, aren't even trying to say, hey, guys, don't keep doing that. The Constitution. Ha! Nancy Pelosi's perfect response. Uh, oh, where exactly in the Constitution do you get the authority to do this? <laughs> are you serious? Are you serious? Yes, Nancy. Yeah, we are. We are freaking serious. Where in the Constitution do you have the authority to act like you are princess of power? Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. is not the Grand Emperor. And whoever's pulling the strings behind him isn't either. You're not part of the royal family. You're not just waiting for your chance to, to sit in the throne. We are freaking serious. We, we expect a return to constitutional restraints on this federal government. And you had best start to realize that if you can't bring yourself to acquiesce to that position, then you need to go ahead and retire or you need to not be surprised when instead of a January 6th event, where you had some tourists get a little rowdy, you actually end up with a real insurrection. You know, like with the full connotations of what the word means. We're not talking about just, ooh, 
Uh, somebody shows up one time and they're going to overthrow the government just because they walked through the building. Now, we're talking about an actual honest-to-goodness revolution and not of the communist socialist variety. But make no mistake about it, I am urging calm amongst my conservative brethren. Because at this stage in the game, that's what they want. That's why they were so desperate to, t- to try to turn in the January 6th event into an insurrection. That's why they keep using the harsh language and exaggerating what occurred there, because they're desperate for it. That's why they want Donald J. Trump to come back, because that's somebody that at least the people that kind of lean in the same direction that they do, they'll believe that Donald Trump is that guy. It gives them that stage. Now, why they believe it is beyond me. I mean, every rapper now that comes out and releases a rap album about how they're going to pop a cap in Donald used to say they wanted to pop a cap for Donald. They won't be Donald. Wanted to be that rich. Wanted to live that lifestyle. Wanted to have those dreams. The man has worked with black Americans in a multitude of ways for a very long time. He was beloved. He received NAACP awards before he decided to run for president. And if he put a D on the end of his name instead of an R and still done all the same things that he did, they would be all for it. And sadly, I, I tend to think that there would probably be a lot of folks with an R at the end of the name that would have been fighting him tooth and nail, even though most of what he ended up doing was the right thing that Republicans should be fighting for. Because unfortunately for us, we the people, politics in this country has become a team sport rather than a public service. Team Blue's got to win. Team Red's got to got to make a stand. Only at the end of the day, the majority of people, regardless of which team they're in, if they've been in D.C. long enough, it's really all about Team Them. Team McConnell, not Team Republican. Team Pelosi, not Team Democrat. Ride the wave as long as you can. Grab what you can. Take what you can. Never give anything back. It's almost the pirate's code from Pirates of the Caribbean. Steal what you can, give nothing back. (laughs) Unfortunately, the people they're stealing from is you and me and your kids and my kids and and their kids. That's who they're stealing from. And make no mistake, make no qualms. They are stealing. Taxation on its very face is a form of theft. You can justify the needs of taxation all you want to, but as soon as the government spent its first penny on something that was non-essential, it all became illegitimate. Is it any wonder you have people out here talking about the failure of the republic, that it's no longer a republic, that now it's a incorporation operating under the name of the once republic? Is it any wonder you have groups of so-called sovereign citizens out there taking the idea to the extreme? Every citizen in this nation is sovereign, but there are still also agreed-upon rules to society. It's necessary for any civilization to exist and to continue to do so. You enter into a social agreement. You grant authorities to states. You grant authorities to the federal government. You grant authority 
to the local governments. But it's, it's very important to make sure you remind them on occasion that that authority has been granted to them and can be taken from them, preferably at the ballot box, preferably through peaceful means. But they do need to be reminded. It's just that simple. All right, we're going to have to leave the first hour right there. So we're going to reset the hour. You guys don't go anywhere. If you're listening to the podcast, uh, if you're listening to um, the live show, hour number two starts right after this. If you are listening uh, on terrestrial radio, most of the stations do just one hour at a time. So stay right where you're at and uh, tune back in tomorrow, same time, and you'll get to hear hour number two then. In the meanwhile... Stay healthy if you can, stay safe, and uh, be smart, even if it goes against your nature, because you can't take my word for it. You definitely shouldn't take their word for it. You should, most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. a blue state clan taught to praise the little man told that union saved the working class he was raised a red state son to love the flag and own a gun warned about the greed within the mass they met beneath the moonlit sky a college party drunk and high and when they had degrees they said their vows he couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, but both their parties taxed them close to death. Learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw them years ago A happy little cabin in the west they homeschooled on their farm Making so much more from so much less They can say when, they can say how, and they can say why, they're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes.
say is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the Danuet. Taking your right to self defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn into guns. Always ask for All we buy is made on foreign shores Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay I've gotta be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn Broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. So very glad to have every last one of you with me. It is Thanksgiving week in the time of the live broadcast. You know, in case you're listening to the rebroadcast somewhere, uh, it just so happens that it is November 23rd. We are just a couple of days away from Thanksgiving, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm very much looking forward to indulging and spending a little time with the family that certainly do not get to spend enough of, especially with some of the extended family. Uh, it's been a little while since some of the folks uh, that's going to be involved with uh, the holiday this year that I've had an opportunity to uh, spend any time with. So very glad to have that opportunity. I hope that every last one of you has also got fantastic holiday plans as well. Uh, if not, um, you know, uh, sorry, uh, but um, maybe things will be better than you expect. Uh, fingers crossed at any rate. All right, let's jump back into it. As you know, if you are listening to the podcast of the show, this is, in fact, the second hour of the live show. Uh, so we covered some things back in the first hour. If you are listening to the rebroadcast and you missed the first hour, 
then I highly recommend you visit tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, intothetruth.com, and uh, go over to the past show page. And from there, you can select whichever player you would prefer uh, or, uh, you know, just whatever. And uh, please uh, go back, listen to the first hour, and check it out. That's kind of what we do around here. Now, I didn't throw in an ad of any kind uh, back in that first hour. So I'm going to start off right now uh, just saying, you know, if you, like me, are planning on indulging uh, during the holiday season with uh, the really great food that we typically tend to have, uh, if you're able to sidestep the Biden administration's current efforts to ruin our ability to thoroughly enjoy Thanksgiving now and Christmas coming up where, you know, we have those great Christmas dinners as well. Lots of great desserts coming down the pike for both. That's where my weakness comes in. I love the food, but I have always had a ridiculous sweet tooth too. And it's just, ugh, mm, just I love that. So for all the fun and uh, fellowship and just everything that is so enjoyable about these holidays on a personal level, uh, the food is just an extra level that really gets to me. So if you're planning on indulging much like I am, you might want to find something that will help you keep from just absolutely ballooning up over the holidays and kind of take that time in between. And something that might actually be able to help you with that is a candy bar. Okay, it's it's a protein bar. Built Bar, they they say they're a protein bar according to the nutritional facts on the package. They are. They're relatively low in sugar. Uh, they've got a good amount of protein. It's actually pretty much good for you. But unlike the cardboard you typically get when you have a protein bar, uh, Built Bar is actually pretty daggum good. They're tasty. I, I, I kid you not, I've been pranked by some of the folks here when some of the new flavors come in. And by some of the folks here, I mean my wife. I've been pranked here. It's like, oh, here, try this new candy bar without me seeing the wrapper. And I'm thinking, huh. And then after she points it out to me, I'm thinking the whole time I should have known uh, because I should have. But, uh, yeah, it is absolutely, they are that good. Uh, Built Bars doing fantastic stuff. So please, if you are listening to the uh, podcast, Please check out the website that's in the show description. Uh, copy uh, the whole thing. Paste that into your web, web browser and uh, follow the link and check out uh, Built Bar. And, uh, you know, uh, make a purchase while you're there. Uh, you've got a lot of varieties, a lot of stuff, and not just the Built Bars either. But uh, just check them out. And then if you do make a purchase, please use my link. That's how they know I sent you. It uh, gives you an opportunity to get something really good and uh, help support the show at the same time. And I would greatly appreciate that. So please, I'm just a small ask. <laughs> so, uh, excuse me. So, Built Bar, yeah. Now, let's get back to the show because I've got some stuff that I really want to get to. And I don't think I'm going to get a chance to talk about this uh, guy in Wisconsin that ran into the parade route if I don't uh, hurry up. And part of the reason why I'd kind of like to get to a little of that, but I'm still wanting to wait a few more days before I really dig in, is because there's just a lot of stuff that we still don't know on that story. But there's some important stuff going on that's kind of being underreported. 
Uh, first and foremost, let's take a look at this story. Uh, headline reads that Colorado officials move to drop sex offender term due to negative impacts on, uh, you guessed it, sex offenders. Okay, so when is a sex offender not a sex offender? When the sex offender takes umbrage at the term sex offender. All right, I'm starting to feel dirty. I'm saying sex offender so many times, and I'm not even talking about Andrew Cuomo. Okay, so the Colorado Sex Offender Management Board, which evidently is a real thing, (laughs) they voted this past Friday to do away with the term. So the board voted 10 to 6 to change the term to adults whom commit sexual offenses. Yeah, because that just rolls off the tongue. Uh, in its standards and guidelines for the assessment, evaluation, treatment, and behavioral monitoring of adult sex offenders. So, 10 to 6. At least it was close, I guess. Colorado hasn't completely uh, put people that are totally out of their minds in positions of authority. They're concerned. Okay, so quoting here, the language change applies only to the SOMB standards. The term sex offender will continue to be used in Colorado statute and the criminal justice system, including courts, law enforcement, and the Colorado Sex Offender Registry. The name of the SOMB itself will also remain unchanged. Uh, this according to what the board wrote and was printed in the post-millennial. Continuing to quote here, the board is responsible for treating, managing, and monitoring adult sex offenders in the state. Friday's meeting went over a list of five new possible terms focusing on person-first language before the board voted to use the pick. Uh, So, uh, still quoting now from a different source, the Denver Post, in case you're curious. Quote, I think the biggest thing in research really shows, I think the biggest thing is research really shows us that assigning a label has the potential for negative effects in rehabilitation. Uh, This being said by Kimberly Klein, a licensed counselor and chair of the board. Continuing to quote, if we're talking about how someone speaks about themselves, that can increase risk. Ultimately, it is victim-centered if we're reducing the risk. Victim-centered if we're reducing the risk? want that to sink in for a second. So now, according to CBS4 in Denver, rape survivor Kimberly Corbin spoke at the public in opposition, spoke at the public, spoke at the public in opposition of the language change, saying, quote, it's very, very damaging for those people who are labeled 
when it has to do with gender, race, sexuality, ability. But those are not their choices. The biggest thing for me is these are choices that sex offenders make. I'm involved today after hearing that it would be improper or offensive in some manner for me to refer to the man who raped me as a sex offender. Now, public defender Kathy uh, Herfren told the board that the new language works, saying, quote, I think this strikes a balance that honors the impact of victims and recognizes the current and ongoing impacts of sexual assault, but also avoids the labeling term that has negative impacts on those who commit sex offenses. And then, of course, Derek Lunge said that uh, he should not have to carry the label for life, saying, referring to me by a label for something I did half of my life ago is inappropriate and downright offensive. All right. Well, Derek, if you do the crime, you do the time. And ultimately, this is a criminal act. And if you have indeed served your term, you've done your time, you did what you were supposed to do, then that should be the end of it. But you see, we have learned over the years that if you commit a sex crime, unlike a lot of other crimes, even if you get the best treatment, you're still far more likely to become a repeat offender than somebody who just steals your car radio. You know, a simple crime of opportunity the 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 chance of reoccurrence of this activity is pretty high, statistically speaking, which is why the sex offender registries were created in the first place. Now, if you have managed to, to keep yourself out of trouble for half of your life, as you put it here, then okay, maybe that stigma shouldn't be carried with you. You paid your debt to society, then it should be over. But the problem here is you're engaged in an activity where the overwhelming majority of other people that commit the same criminal offense, well, they tend to keep doing it no matter what. As long as the opportunity presents itself, they're right back at it. So the registries exist. And yet somehow we have people thinking that we can remove stigma for behavior by simply changing the words we use. Now, we talk a lot here about how language has power, how words have meaning, and how the left is constantly trying to change the meaning of a lot of words in order to try to win their argument. But at the end of the day, these labels only hurt you as much as you let it. I mean, if you're talking about something as simple as stereotypes, I mean, we've been bombarded now for at least two decades about how uh, 
treating people like stereotypes is bad. Well, yeah, technically it can be, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. The rationale here is most stereotypes arise from a truth. It's a generalized truth. It doesn't apply to every individual. And, of course, if you want to apply a stereotype and stereotypical thinking towards an individual rather than to get to know that individual, uh, oftentimes it can be harmful to that individual in some fashion. But here's what I would like to say to the victim of that stereotypical behavior. If they can't take the time to get to know you on an individual basis, then you're probably better off just knowing that all they see is a stereotype and you're both better off going your separate ways. You don't need that in your life, especially if you're trying to get better. But here's the other side of that flip. Okay? We're flipping that coin over. We're taking a look at it. If you've committed a criminal act and you're worried about that following you around, you should have thought about that before you committed the crime. You know, ex-cons fight tooth and nail every day trying to find a way to go straight. And it's hard. And it all could have been avoided if you just made a better choice at the right time. And I don't want to hear the BS about how you didn't really have a choice. If you are actually someone who was innocent, who got convicted anyway, and you're in that situation, okay, I'll buy it from you. But if you're somebody that actually did the time, I'm sorry, actually committed the crime, then you made a bad choice, and you're going to have to live with the consequences of that choice. That is life, period, end of discussion. Sorry that reality is so harsh, but that's it. And the people you meet every day moving forward, they have a choice. They can decide if they want to get to know you and move past something that you did in a moment of weakness. Or they can decide that it is not worth their time to get to know you, to see you, based solely on the fact that the overwhelming majority of people who commit the same crime never move to a point where they are healthy enough to not be a risk to commit it again. Change what you should be called. You can play these games all you want, but at the end of the day, this is still a case of the left trying to soften our society. It's a case of the left trying to change the language in order to try to win the argument. The left cares more about actual criminals being allowed to go back out on the streets and commit further crimes than they care about innocent people who are legitimately trying to make and earn a living. They don't care about the safety of the general public. They've demonstrated that. We see that from everything from their low bells to this guy who did go plowing through the Christmas parade in Wisconsin. This guy was out on bail. This guy thinks himself a rapper. I guess, you know, in the modern age of the leftists, if that's how you identify, then that's your truth. So, okay, maybe he is a rapper. I heard a little snippet of some of the stuff they did earlier that he's recorded before. Nah, 
I mean, if you like that early 90s gangster stuff, eh, you might be down with the sound. It doesn't sound very contemporary. And honestly, I'm more of an early 80s uh, rap <laughs> aficionado. Give me some run, DMC. They moved on into the 90s, and they were still at their best in the 80s. Give me some Dougie Fresh. Give me some Young MC. Give me some, shoot, even give me some MC Hammer. All right? Hammer don't hurt them. I'm all right with that. Now, that had more of a pop sound than a rap sound, but, you know, I, I still like what he did. Give me some Rob Bass. Give me some Tone Bloke. Give me those guys. Ah, give me some freaking Fresh Prince. You know, you know him now as Will Smith, but back then when he was the Fresh Prince and he was hanging out with DJ Jazzy Jeff, give me some of that. Again, uh, more of a pop sound, but uh, very unique. Anyway, I digress. This guy, he sees himself as a rapper. He was out on bail, had tried to run over his baby mama with that same SUV that he drove through the parade. This is a guy who has literally a rap sheet. If you were to print it out, and I, and I ain't talking about printing it out like you're writing a college paper where you're double spacing and using a large font you know, to make it easier for the professor to read it and then make the corrections. Now, I'm talking you put your font size down to a, a size 10 and you single space it and you print it. This guy's rap sheet, if you go back to the beginning, You'll get well over 50 pages. I mean, this guy's rap sheet starts to look like some of the bills that Nancy Pelosi says we ain't got time to read. So if you want to find out what's in it, well, you got to pass it. <laughs> some of it's not that big of a deal. Some of it's minor misdemeanor stuff. Some of it's full-blown assault. Including assault with the vehicle. I mean, he literally tried to run over this woman. Literally actually did run over her, technically. I mean, this guy is a threat to society. And he was out on bond, a $1,000 bond for trying to run her over. All the way back on November 5th, y'all. And was out on the streets. That's the kind of thing that these folks want. They want our southern borders open. They want coyotes to be able to come across. They want drug runners to be able to come across. They don't care if the cartels are taking those firearms that they managed to acquire in, during Fast and Furious. And I don't mean the film franchise. For those of you who've forgotten, look up Eric Holder and Barack Obama, Fast and Furious. Most of you guys that regularly listen, I know you know what I'm talking about. But this, it's the same idea as the folks that are working to try and normalize pedophilia. It's the same guys that are trying to normalize every unnatural behavior that exists under the sun. We're not supposed to question anything, anyone's choices, anyone's behavior, unless you happen to embrace Western ideology. If you're a white guy who happens to be Christian and you have a job 
and you're earning enough that you're providing for your family, well, then you're the real threat to this country, buddy. You're a terrorist. You might be someone that would speak out against a Democratic boondoggle where they're trying to just flush billions and trillions of U.S. taxpayer dollars down the toilet in the middle of some of the largest inflation we have seen in decades. Yeah, you might be willing to question these folks when they're trying to tell you how best to live your life and best to spend your money. You are the threat. You're the insurrectionist. How dare you show up at a school board meeting? How dare you push back on a Facebook post? How dare you even show up and sign up for TikTok? What is wrong with you? First of all, you really shouldn't sign up for TikTok. Chinese spyware, that is all it is. I know the kids are having a good time with it, but trust me, y'all, don't go there. So what are we left with? I mean, this is utterly ridiculous. Oh, we have to make sure that we take their feelings into account. Come on, Colorado, you can do better than that. You can do a lot better than that. Still want more proof? What these guys are up to? Well, what if I give you uh, a little bit of information from a John Chislom? Chislom, Chislom. C-H-I-S-H-O-N. L-M. John, not trying to, to butcher your name, but I have a feeling that I am doing that just the same. See, John happens to be the progressive Milwaukee counter district attorney whose office released a man on a $1,000 bond back on November 11th after he was accused of driving over a woman. Uh, it's starting to sound familiar based on something we just discussed? If not, it should. So he released him on a $1,000 bond only to see him allegedly. And if you've seen the video, it's hard to keep using the word allegedly. But allegedly, drive his red SUV into a Christmas parade this past Sunday. believe the death count now is at the time I came on air. I haven't checked again. I believe we're up to eight now. Injuring dozens of others. See, he said of nonviolent offenders back in 2007, quote, is there going to be an individual I divert or I put into treatment programs? Who's going to go out and kill somebody? You bet. Guaranteed. It's guaranteed to happen. It does not invalidate the overall approach. Pausing there to let that sink in. It doesn't invalidate the overall approach. I... Would love an explanation, John, exactly how it is that a guy who literally tried to run over a woman is a nonviolent offender. I mean, 
taking a look, and I took a very cursory look. I didn't have time to read this guy's rap sheet. But for every nonviolent offense that appears on his criminal record, there are at least two violent offenses. Weapons charges, assault charges, sexual assault charges, uh, <laughs> vehicular assault charges. This guy, this guy had been in and out of the system so often, had been arrested so many times that it didn't matter at all. The only thing that would have protected the public from this guy's complete disregard for his fellow man was to have kept him locked up. But I want to tell you again what this guy said. Is there going to be an individual that I divert or that I put into treatment program who's going to go out and kill somebody? You bet. Guaranteed. It's guaranteed to happen. But that doesn't. That doesn't invalidate the approach. No, no, no. It doesn't matter in John's mind that there's going to be somebody who's going to kill your kid because they happen to be marching in a Christmas parade. I mean, hopefully it matters, but it doesn't matter enough to change the approach. It doesn't invalidate anything. All of the nonviolent criminals that will be helped by this, it's worth it. We're trying to help people. And the worst part here is I really do wish there was a better way to get the people out of the system who really shouldn't be there. I mean, I recognize, and I, most conservatives recognize, that there are some people that get caught up in the system, and it's the ones who probably need to be there the least to get hung up the most. It's not right. It's not fair. But that's the way it is. You know, crime tends to go down when you increase the police presence and you have harsher penalties for criminal offenses. That puts a lot of pressure on defense attorneys. It puts a lot of pressure on somebody showing up and trying to make sure that justice is served. It puts a lot of pressure on judges to actually hear the cases and to try to, to determine who is that risk and who can still be reached. It's a tough job. I wouldn't want to do it. That's why I'm not sitting on a bench somewhere. If you ever see me sitting on a bench somewhere, it's going to be a park bench. I guarantee you. It's it's a tough position. I mean, the, the system we have isn't perfect. It's far from perfect. But it works pretty well most of the time when we let it and when we don't try to manipulate it. And this effort from folks like Spooky Dude, the guy who the media goes ballistic now, if you mention his actual name, George Soros, somehow just mentioned his name as anti-Semitic. Don't, don't understand how that works. 
I mean, actually, George Soros is a pretty anti-Semitic guy himself. He may have a technical bloodline that stretches back to Jewish tribes, but he's not particularly Jewish. And that's not uh, a knock on Jewish folks. I like a lot of the Jewish people I've met. Of course, the same is true with just about every different group you want to break folks down into. I like most of the people I've met. Or at least I like them well enough. I'm not bringing them all home with me. I'm, I'm actually a very antisocial person. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's neither here nor there. John made those assertions in an interview with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel all the way back in 2007. That was the year that he was first elected to the position. His promotion, well, his premonition, I'm sorry, his premonition about how the guarantee was there, well, it came true back in 2013 when convicted drug dealer Jeremiah Schroeder, 35-year-old, was let out on a deferred prosecution, and uh, he injected a fatal dose of heroin into Cassandra Lutz, a 28-year-old woman. Actually, that was a 26-year-old woman. Uh, the Daily Mail actually had that wrong, but I've got the corrected information down here. Now, Bob Lutz, the grandfather of Cassandra, who spent roughly 15 years as a Milwaukee police officer, said, quote, I'm pissed. I think Cassie's had her problems. But she didn't deserve this. Simple as that. If Schroeder would have been in jail the way he should have been, this would not have happened. She'd still be here. Isn't that how we should actually feel in America? Shouldn't we be concerned about the victims? Shouldn't we be trying to find a way to prevent more victims? Isn't that the actual idea of our criminal justice system to try and bring forth some level of protection for society? I mean, it's not really about justice for the victims if they've died because there's nothing we can do to change it. It's about protecting society. It's about holding people accountable. It's about trying to exact some level of justice but when it comes to the taking of life, what constitutes an innocent life in the eyes of the legal system, isn't that the goal? Shouldn't we be looking to say, okay, if you're willing to commit this type of crime, you need to be locked up for a while? And I, I really, I, I honest to goodness believe that anybody who truly wants to can be reformed from almost anything. I have to use the caveat because I'm afraid at some point I may be proven wrong. There may be some types of crimes that there's just no redemption and no coming back from. And once you take that step, 
that you're just gone. But I'd like to believe that at least the overwhelming majority, that a high 90%, somewhere around 97 to 99% of people, if you get them at the right time, at the right point, you can find a way to bring them back and to be productive in our society. I believe that. And I'd like to go on believing that. Now, maybe I'm a moron for believing that. I don't have a whole lot of... I don't have a lot of empirical evidence out there to hold up and say, well, see, statistically speaking, uh, there's reason to believe. Because there's not. It's, it's the Pollyanna in me. It's, it's that same thought process that we see the left use an awful lot to make their cases for their meandering. So, so maybe I need to grow up and just stop believing in the fallacy that so many people are redeemable. Maybe I need to become just that cynical. Maybe that would make me better prepared. But I don't want to feel that way about folks. I think most of us don't. We don't want to. Even the ones that have become so embittered and so very jaded that they can't help but do it, they don't want to. They don't want to feel that way about people. I mean, I'd much prefer to feel positive about most people I meet, but just still be left alone because that's just the way I kind of like it. But it's the same mentality that we see on the southern border. It's the same mentality we see or hold up criminals as heroes and to try and claim, like Stephen Colbert, that uh, the right to self-defense needs to be taken away. All these district attorneys and these big cities that have Uber dollars uh, to help them get elected in places like San Francisco and places like Milwaukee County, these folks have been put in place not to create reform, but to create destruction. They've been put in place with the purpose of putting criminals back on the streets, of protecting the criminals ahead of the law-abiding citizen, the people that will become victims. In my mind, it is and should be unacceptable. And they demonstrate that they know what the results are going to be. When you come across a moment like this, where John here is being so candid that he knows it's a guarantee. One of these people are going to go kill somebody. In fact, the only thing that's surprising in this story to this guy is that it took so long. I think it's time that we said so long to these so-called progressives, especially the ones that are DAs that are trying to put criminals on the street. Now, you got to stay right where you're at. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and I'm going to try to get at least one more story in. Meanwhile, listen to Dan Perkins and then listen to Ron Edwards. By the way, Ron has invited me uh, back on his show So uh, on Sunday after Thanksgiving, not, this, not the immediate uh, Sunday right after, but a week after that. Uh, I will be on live with Ron Edwards on the Ron Edwards American Experience. So that's something if you're a regular listener over there, uh, I'll, I'll excited to get to visit him. It's been a while since I've been on over there. 
Anyway, let's take that break, and I'll be right back after this. You guys stay right where you're at, please. This is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. Are you looking for a job because you got laid off because of the coronavirus? Most veterans think that the GI Bill can only be used for college, but that's not true. It can also be used for retraining programs. So if you're out of work and looking for a new career, go to the VA.gov and look at the GI Bill benefits. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. The U.S. House Committee on Financial Services has proved negative that when government is not held within constitutional confines, evil things go bump in the night. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. For years, leftist government bullies have been trying to configure ways to bring our nation's energy supply companies to financial ruin in an effort to make we the people more susceptible to the moods, attitudes, and dictates of government cabal figureheads hell-bent on literally destroying our exceptional nation way of life. They are working feverishly to bring about irreparable damage in order to permanently snuff out the torch of liberty while seeking to kill off the remaining vestiges of this being one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. Regime leader Biden, Nasty Pelosi, The Squad, Lizard Cheney, and many others believe they have the final say in how this all plays out. I say they will be proven wrong if we the people will have eyes to see and ears to hear and act under providential guidance. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the Ron Edwards American Experience via the Ron Edwards. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that break. As always, I'm very happy to have you here and so very proud when you guys manage to stay with me this long because if you're listening to the podcast or if you're listening to the live show, if you're here with me at this moment, then you've been here for nearly two hours. And that's a lot of time to invest in a guy who's just sitting here mumbling behind a microphone. So thank you very, very much. In the meanwhile, let's get back to the show. Uh, don't forget to check out uh, Built Bar and follow the link in the show description, though, before we uh, before we get started again. All right, so you know I, I'm torn on some of these stories that are still lingering because there's always a lot of stuff that I don't seem to get to that uh, aren't getting enough media attention, that aren't getting press story uh, going on in the UK that I'm going to try to get to before Sunday. It's not going anywhere and the point of it uh, isn't getting any older, but new stuff keeps popping up. You know, uh, anything ranging from Andrew Cuomo and the official report coming down, which they didn't say anything in the report that we didn't already know. Uh, Stu Bergier has it uh, right. Uh, bottom line is Andrew Cuomo is just awful. Uh, and it's just that simple. But, what still kills me, uh, what we're seeing continue with the culture war, is we're seeing 
American principles being torn down because we're ignoring the principles and trying to negate the people that help bring those principles to the forefront. Uh, Thomas Jefferson has been a uh, target of this type of activity for a while. And now Thomas Jefferson's statue that's been in the New York City Council Chamber is officially being booted. After nearly 200 years, a statue of founding father and primary author of the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson has been taken out of New York City Council Chambers. The statue, which reportedly weighs almost 900 pounds, was removed out of the building by workers from Marshall Fine Arts. It'll be given on a long-term loan to the New York Historical Society. The removal process took several hours. Last month, the city's Public Design Commission unanimously voted to remove the statue after concerns about Jefferson and his relationship to slavery. Quoting here, This administration owes it to the more than 5 million New Yorkers of color, our members, past, present, and future, represent to resolve that the individuals memorialized within these confines of our people's house be reflective not only of the best traditions of our city's history and its diversity, but unquestionable character. This from the City Council's Black, Latino, and Asian Caucus. Uh, Release a statement. Now, Aaron Thompson, author of the forthcoming Smashing Statues, The Rise and Fall of America's Public Monuments, said that public input should go along with monument removal. In other words, if the local folks don't like a particular monument being in a public space in their neighborhoods, then maybe at that point you should consider its removal. You get enough people involved, enough people express their opinions, then okay. But when it comes right down to it, a statue of Thomas Jefferson in the city council's areas, that doesn't seem to me like something that's terribly intrusive. Technically, it's a public area, but it's not exactly like Everybody in the city is passing through. It's not like everyone in the city even has access to the building. It's not a venue like a public park, per se. So the removal of a statue of Thomas Jefferson because you're offended that this man in a very different time did what was necessary to protect people uh, it's a very unpopular opinion, but historically, it's an accurate depiction. Thomas Jefferson, much like George Washington, did have slaves and wanted to free those slaves and unfortunately lived in the state of Virginia, which at that time, well, it would have made life very difficult on those slaves because if they had tried to release the slaves, uh, by state law, they still would not have been free people. They would have 
well, they would have been forced into continued slavery in a different place, a place probably less likely to treat them with any kind of dignity or respect or acknowledgement of their basic personage. If you look at the source materials, if you read the writings of these people, they understood how wrong slavery was, and they had the discussions. They breached the topic of trying to end slavery right off the jump, despite what Nicole Hannah-Jones would have you believe. But they also understood at that point in time that there was no way that the nation would stand together. So as a matter of practicality, they didn't push the issue then, but they always believed that divine providence would eventually lead to the ending of slavery in the United States. So if it didn't happen then, it would still happen. They actually believed it would probably happen a lot sooner and probably would have happened a lot sooner if Democrats hadn't fought tooth and nail so long and so hard against letting the institution of slavery end. That's just historical fact. It's documented. Now, you're going to have to do your own research, and you're going to have to use your brain. You're going to have to learn how to actually read and think critically in order to get to that conclusion. But it is also going to require you not to read bogus junk like the 1619 Project and actually get to original source documents, original letters, original writings, and not just digital copies if you can avoid it, but copies that are in place in older printed books. Because the thing about all the digital stuff, it is way too easy to change what's in it. One of the bigger threats that we face. They're talking about, quoting back from the article again, removing a monument without a public conversation about why it's happening is useless. New Yorkers all need to talk about who we want to honor and why. And it's the why that really is the important fact. It's the most important factor. Why did we honor Thomas Jefferson? Why did we honor George Washington? Why do we honor Abraham Lincoln? Why do we honor uh, Theodore Roosevelt? Why do we honor any of the people who have been honored in the past? Robert E. Lee. There is a controversial one for you. Why do we have statues of Nathan Bedford Forrest in places in the South? I mean, literally, Nathan Bedford Forrest, even if you negate the fact that he started the Ku Klux Klan, he was filled with so much hate. He was literally one of the worst examples of humanity to ever walk the planet. But even he, on his deathbed, came to understand the errors of his ways, made a full repentance. Now, I don't really know, I think, uh, scripture-wise, there may be some grayish area about that full deathbed conversion as far as trying to get into heaven, but the point of the matter is, even if that was his angle, then he recognized, he realized in some fashion that what he had done for the majority of his life was wrong. So do you honor Nathan Bedford Forrest? Well, for the South, he was a great general. He was very capable. 
and he stood up for the Confederacy and the values, not just of the slavery that the South was supposedly fighting over. And, uh, lots of folks make that strong argument, although the most of the people that fought for the Confederacy that's not what they were fighting for. They were fighting for home and hearth. They felt like they had been invaded and trespassed against. Now, the higher-ups, the government, they were corrupt. They did have a vested interest in that slavery. But that wasn't what the average soldier was fighting for if they wore the gray uniform. It's important that we make those distinctions and understand why Southern heritage matters so much to some people. So do you honor a Nathan Bedford Forrest? Or do you let those statues stand now in public display, not to honor him, but to start that conversation? To show, once again, how far we've come in a relatively short time. Now, it can never be short enough when it comes to that level of oppression, true, honest-to-goodness, actual oppression that existed in slavery. Not the pop culture. Uh, we're talking about oppression because it's a great catchword to let folks give us our way that we see today, but actual oppression. But why do we choose to honor people? There is no person, no actual living person that was an American citizen or fought for American sovereignty that wasn't just a regular human being. And that means they're flawed. It doesn't matter who you hold up as a hero. If you held up Martin Luther King Jr. or if you held up Malcolm X, both of them were flawed. They had their problems. That doesn't mean you discount what they did fight for, what principles they stood for, and what they believed, what they tried to accomplish to throw out American values, to throw out the idea of individual liberty and self-reliance because the people that preached it did something in their private lives you didn't like is an absurd notion. But it is the, that grasping at straws that the leftists are doing because they got nothing else to fight it with. You can't fight the idea of liberty by saying, well, we, you should just let the government take over. Because that's exactly what we fought against. And like it or not, even modern Americans who are even slightly mush-brained and are buying into some of the socialist BS, somewhere inside they feel that it is wrong to just go along and let them take over. They, they don't trust the government, and you shouldn't. And I don't care who you put there. You should never trust the government. The, the government is a necessary evil, but it is an evil, and you should treat it as such. You should send the best people you can there, and you should change them frequently. They should not be permitted to stay as long as we see a lot of these people stay. There should be term limits on every position, and they should be much shorter in some cases than the current term limits for the ones that do have them. But with all that put aside, the bottom line here is these leftists in New York are not concerned about how people of color might feel about one thing that happened. They're far more concerned about having a statue of the man who wrote the Declaration of Independence standing there.
a man who saw the value of all humanity and spoke up for it. They can't have Thomas Jefferson standing there. They can't have Christopher Columbus standing there. They can't have Abraham Lincoln standing there. They can't have George Washington standing there. They can't have any of these people there. They can't even put up Woodrow Wilson, and he's one of their honest-to-goodness heroes. They can't have any of those people standing there because all of those folks still stood up for the idea of what America could be what it should aspire to be. Even in his own way, Christopher Columbus meets that bill because uh, even though he didn't realize everything at the time, he still opened up the opportunity for colonization to occur here. And he believed that he was helping to make the world a better place. By finding alternate trade routes, that, that that's finding a way to let a market come into existence and help you strengthen the economies of uh, your your native home, well, that's a, an American ideology too. Thomas Jefferson literally promoted the principles that are best among America. Those base principles that would, if taught and understood, would heal those racial divides that we're fighting through right now, that if the the flames have been fanned for political purposes. If we taught the principles and understood, yes, people are flawed, but the principles are good principles, and you can build upon those principles, and you can work harder to continue to move closer to the full realization of those principles rather than just, well, we'll tear it all down because it's, it's not worked perfectly from the very beginning. We're going to ignore our shared history. We're going to ignore every step of the ways we've gotten closer and closer to being what's promised from a full realization of those principles. We're just going to burn it down instead. And what do you think these people want to put in its place? That utopian dream that they keep promising is the same utopian dream that the Bolsheviks promised, that the Maoists promised, that the Stalinists promised. That utopian dream, that perfect society, is an imagining that can never be achieved because it doesn't take into account human nature. It's a flawed idea that puts the state's central power at the middle of everyone's life and makes everyone subservient to it other than the person on the top and a small handful of his minions. They didn't take the statue down because somebody might be offended. They took the statue down because someone might be reminded of what you do in the face of tyranny. That's going to have to be it for tonight. Thank you so very much for being here. As always, I greatly appreciate uh, your listenership. Please remember, whatever you do, don't take my word for not one little bit of it, but please, please don't take their word at face value either. 
Put in some time, do your own research, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay safe out there, folks. It's getting crazier and crazier every day. Try to stay healthy if you can, and, uh, you know, be smart, even if it goes against your nature. I'm out. Using both hands Founders knew the second amendment Was the final one to keep To hold our other rights intact So we'd never become sheep Stalin, Hitler, Maloney, and Pol Pot They told us things that you never forgot Is using both hands Well I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223 Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family Using both hands.